Joe presents Liquid Football, sponsored by Paddy Power. Hello, welcome to Liquid Football on Joe, together with Paddy Power. It's the show that takes you inside the dressing room and puts you in the boots of the players. Uh, joining me this week, former Southampton, Chelsea and England defender Wayne Bridge, also joined by former Manchester United and England defender Wes Brown, and making his Liquid Football debut, it's Sean Wright Phillips, former Man City and Chelsea wide man, but of course now playing incredibly successfully in MLS. So you're over for a little while? Um, I'm retired. I know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no. You were playing for um, a Yeah, no, it was a, it was a fun place. It was obviously a different experience than getting to play with do my brother live, again. I thought you still lived out there. Yeah, I genuinely I do, did. But think I live that, yeah. um, on the west coast, Arizona. Right. Okay. As I said to these guys before, I like to follow the sun, so I know it's yeah. hot there all year round. So That's the best way to do it. Exactly. Um, so just over visiting, being sociable, doing yeah, some work. seeing the family. He's just missed the Miami gig. The reason I thought you still lived in the States is because we did the football challenge and uh, the football phone in challenge where you have to FaceTime a footballer earlier on and Paddy Park. So the guy, have you got your phones handy? Just in case, because it was very, very tight. So just in case you get a call back yeah, or a text back from it. somebody, we've yeah. already recorded it, but there might be. There might be a little bit of follow-up from it. So I've we've got, got one. Go on. I've got a text. Already? A text, yeah, but this to say, did you phone me? Did you phone me? <laughs> just send, just send, back a really, yeah. send back a really cryptic message just as it's too late. And, see what <laughs> sort of and he just started laughing. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, everybody's talking about Man United, Wes. I mean, mm. you must be talking about it with, with everybody. You're friends with a lot of the, the former players as well. Mm. A 2-0 defeat at, at West Ham. You had... Uh, Roy Keane and Jose Mourinho on television talking about it. Jose saying, well, I was probably, I probably deserve to get sacked, but they're much, much worse now. People think I take pleasure from this, but I don't take any pleasure, said Jose. Um, what, what do you think? What do you make of it all? Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing. I mean, you know, especially with the injuries we have now, it definitely doesn't help. You know, the squad isn't big enough yet. Um, there's still plays to be bought. And, you know, they're, they're under the limelight at every single opportunity in this it's not going to get any less, you know, this will just keep going. But, you know, the results have been a little bit disappointing. So, Do you, do you feel that? Because um, Stuart Downing was talking about playing at Liverpool and at the spotlight, when he was there, it wasn't a team necessarily that was challenging for the, the title. So Manchester United aren't going to challenge for the, the title this season. So it's a different kind of pressure from the one that you faced when you were there and you were expected to have success. But is there something that just comes with being a Manchester United player even if you know the, the pressure to win win the title isn't there. Yeah, I mean, like it's it, it, it's a massive club, so you know players that are bought need to do well. Otherwise, if they don't, you know they'd be subject to media. And you know, likewise, if it's the other way as well, you know they get both ends of it. But at the moment, it's, it's you know without the wins, we're not getting any points. And like I said, players going out injured, and it's just making life really difficult at the moment. And the pressure might be getting to a you know a few of them and a few of the young lads now are going to have to step up and it's not ideally what you want um, but you know I do know that all the signings didn't come in the summer so you know it's it's what you do you, do you let um, Ollie have time and, and get it all sorted how long do you give him two, two three years uh, you know there's no there's no chance in the world that he could have got all his signings done this summer there's no chance it just doesn't work like that um, and then players have to leave as well I mean obviously Lukaku and Sanchez being probably the two biggest ones that might have played at this moment but you know they weren't in the plan so I think if someone comes in um, to buy him or go on loan you, you do that and you let him go That idea of the, the increased scrutiny depending on, on which club you're at at Chelsea at Manchester City at, at Manchester United when you go in there what, what is that what form does that take obviously you have the expectations of the crowd but in terms of like just the the sheer amount of coverage of the club the amount of times the games are on the telly means that people see the players more there's so many aspects to it aren't there um yeah there's definitely a lot of aspects to it but i think a lot of the time especially for me when i when i first moved from man city to chelsea i had the right players and i suppose at the time which was Mourinho, um a good coach at the time which helps you through it they kind of protected you from the media and all the pressures around it to be honest with you and um, the way I felt the pressure more was on the opposite end of the table when I was at uh, fighting for relegation mainly with QPR and 
that was like pressure going into games all the time is thinking we just can't concede an early goal mm. and then you do so well and then the goal comes and then it's just like here we go again sort of thing so for me like that was more pressure to deal with than playing at the top side of things well but which way did you feel it Wayne well if, when Wes was saying about if Man United sign any players there's gonna be a lot of pressure on them because I think if you're at Chelsea when I went to Chelsea they had so many good players there that it wasn't just me and I think as well if you go to a team like now if you went to Liverpool City they're playing so well that not all the eyes are on you but if you go to Man United now I think all the spotlight is literally on you they want to see you produce Um, but I don't think I really felt any pressure at the top maybe when I went to Man City for a fee and they were just starting to get going with the new owners I felt a lot of pressure because all eyes were on me so I did feel the pressure then but I'd say for me would definitely be at the bottom Southampton because it was just a you know there was times where we maybe were mid-table most of the time we were in a dogfight and it was you know it's not we need to win now because next week and the week after we ain't going to win you know we never went on a, a winning streak so I thought the pressure was definitely harder down the bottom Is it is it down to the, the character of the player, by which I don't even necessarily mean strength of character, I just mean the type of person that they are, <coughs> that some people will, will go to, for example, Manchester United and, mm. and have that sort of weight of history on their shoulders. They'll have all the extra responsibility, the extra, extra scrutiny, and they won't adapt well to it, that maybe they're, they're better off going in and, and being a star somewhere else. Yeah, than, I, than a bit player at, Man- at Manchester United even. Yeah, I think, you know, even though we've not won the league for a bit, I still think that player that comes to Man United is that guy, you know. Uh, at the moment, it's Paul Popper. You know, the press talk about Paul Popper all the time. I mean, I think he's a fantastic player. Do you think it's unfair or it's something that he it, should expect, you know given what? the size of the club, it's the happened, reputation it's and the It's always happened to someone. It's always happened to someone. I mean, when I got in the team, just before I got in, it was probably Giggs, and then it was Bex. And it was Rooney, then it was Ronaldo. You know, there's always one player, and at, and at this time it's Pogba. And you know, the better we can deal with it, obviously, the, the better the results will come. But you know, today and age has changed; it's all changed. You know, with social media and stuff. So, I mean, Pogba's a fantastic player, like I said, and he just has to adapt to it. But there is times when you do feel a little bit sorry for him because you do feel they're just picking on a certain player, and you know, sometimes it's the whole team. Uh, but that's how it goes. If you're that player they've picked, then you're the one who's going to sort of get the the, the the end of it all. And and what happens is when a team isn't doing as well as, as the fan base expects, expect, and even from a media point of view, when a team like Manchester United doesn't live up to its billing as, as the biggest club in the world, then there is that, that added intensity. And people start to get upset and they do start to point fingers. And it's starting to happen now with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You asked earlier on, you know, how long how long do they give him? Yeah. But does it feel as though there are knee-jerk sentimental reactions being made there rather than clearly thought-out plans? Yeah, I mean, listen, Ole and the board will all have a plan. You know, it's one of them where they've, they've gone through a few managers now since Sir Alex gone and nothing's quite worked. So you've got to give him time, you know, with they would have had a plan in place where, yes, they would have said these players we want, these players we don't want. Um, sometimes you can't pick and choose when they leave because um, that's just the way football goes. But I'm sure there will be a two, three-year plan in place where if not January the summer again, they get the players that they definitely want and then the, the, the team builds. Yes, this year we would all like to come you know, top four, get back in the Champions League and it could still happen. I mean, it's early doors. But at the same time, you know, it is a building process and you've got to let him do it. Um Watching the the outtakes, if you like, from the game yesterday, there was Phil Jones on the bench. And normally you see players with their hands over their mouth and, you, and everybody thinks, oh, they're so paranoid. And then you see <laughs> Phil Jones talking to Ed Woodward on the bench and everybody's trying to lip-read what he said. And it was whether or not he was saying, you're getting sacked in the morning, which I don't think he said, but it was near enough 100% to make it. Oh, yes, he did. It was, it was, yeah. <laughs> 100% no he did or 100% no. he didn't. 100% he didn't. No. But, yeah. but then what you did see... thought you would have said no. it in front of those people. But what, what you did get then was Ed Woodward, though, for whatever he did say, Ed Woodward saying... Just watch what you're saying because you're on the television. Yeah. Are, you, are you aware of that? I mean, is that is that something that even if you're like sitting on a bench or if you're like just walking off as a substitute, I mean, you, you do see you players of, doing this. You still do think about because we know, like for us, we know now compared to then, there's so much cameras in the game. So I feel like that is always in the back of your head, especially if you're sitting where Phil was sitting. Like the camera's actually going to stray there at some point. Mm. You just never know what time 
the camera's going to actually hit you. So for me, he definitely didn't say anything. No, I feel like, like back that. then you could get away with saying anything. You could swear at the ref. You could yeah. literally swear at anyone, get away definitely with so. any little bit of abuse. Now there is literally like there's professional lip readers looking <laughs> at them 24 7. Yeah, it, it does feel like that, particularly in instances like, like that. If you're sitting on the bench and you're watching things go wrong and maybe you're out of favour. Mixed mixed emotions, do you think? He would say, yeah. That's why I was angling it in I'm, that direction. I, I'm more like if I'm sat on the bench, like I kind of, I want to get on, but I'm not really hoping something goes wrong. I think if, I'm in, if you're in the stand and you're out of favour, I don't care what anyone says, I always think if the manager is done with you, you're kind of, you don't really want the team to lose, but if you're going to get back in the team... The only way of getting back in the team is if they play bad. I've had it with Mourinho where I'm totally out of favour and it's like the only chance of me getting back in the team is keeping my head down, training and then hoping whoever's in front of me doesn't play well. And I've had a scenario with him and I started playing again under him where I was really out of favour and he, he put an arm around me and said, you're doing really well, you know, you're going to play next week, just keep going, keep going. Sadly, that comes to an end, I had an injury but it is, for me, it's one of them things is, you know, if there's a couple of you sat and you're out of favour, you're both out of favour, you might start taking the mickey out of people and like, oh, look at that, just see what he did there. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kieran Dyer was the worst. Kieran Dyer watched the game on TV and he would probably text you, did you see what you did on the 60th minute? That was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It happens. People do take the mick. But, you know, I think if you're at a club, like Wes was at Man United for so long, I don't think he'd ever sit in a stand and think, oh, I hope they lose today. I think it's just... But sometimes someone performs bad. But so sometimes you only get your chance if you if they play bad or there's an injury. Yeah, yeah. and it's, you don't wish it on anyone. But that's sometimes that's the only way you get in. A lot of people make the debuts because of it. You know, the gaffer gives them a chance. So it's. I mean, that's football. I just think that's football in general. That's how it goes. You need a bit of luck sometimes. But you'd be sitting there next to someone else who might be on the bench or, or in the stands with you. Having a little chat about how things were going. I mean, if someone <laughs> missed the ball and fell over, you'd yeah. absolutely creeping on the bench. Yeah, but... you would laugh. Yeah. Definitely. There's times where I've seen people just look like they got shot by a sniper mm. and you just laugh about yeah, it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's not in a hurtful way or anything to put them off or just for a wish. Of course, you always want to play. And like Wes said, you have to wait for that time to come. And sadly, it's only going to come if the team play badly or somebody gets injured. Yeah. And that is just football in general. I, think, I wonder if it's something to do with it, if it's the club you support. That if, you, if it's a club that you've gone in to play for, then you don't necessarily have that emotion. It can grow, but you don't necessarily have that emotional attachment to start with. So if yeah. you're a Man United fan, then it, it's too deeply ingrained in you to, to sort of think, well, if I'm not getting the team here, I, I hope they slip up. Maybe it's teams that you go to. I, I think in it a can all, always come down to your relationship with the manager. For instance, if you aren't involved, you know, he might talk to you and you know you've got to work hard and get in a team. But, you know, there's managers like with Mancini with me. I was just training with the kids. So, like, there was no way back for me. It was he, he was he was done with yeah, me. Where did you where did you watch the kids? Did you go to the games then? When, when, um, you, when No, when literally. You were so when he first... It come down to basically... I had a few injuries and in the end, I think I'd come back from a broken toe. You know, he was shouting and screaming at me because... I'd done a training session. I said my, my thigh feels tight after coming back from the broken toe and I was supposed to play. And he was shouting and screaming, oh, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And I said, oh, I'll play. I ripped it in two places. And then that, he washed his hands of me. And at the end of the, the following season, I was supposed to come back for pre-season training. And I get back and they're just like, well, he doesn't want you around. So while we're here, you can have an extra holiday. And then you come back and train with the kids when the first team's left. And then from then on, I was just stuck with the kids and then I think it was come to Christmas time and he called me over and said, oh, you're training with us now. And I'm like, basically, mm. all you're doing is making me come here because you don't want me to have any time off or you're basically treating me like a kid. But I was always respectful to him. We ended up having an argument and he said, oh, do you know what? Fuck off then. So I went home for Christmas in the end and came back. But I just knew there was no way back for me. But I was kind of... I didn't wish... Man City not to do. I had friends in the team, but I just knew I had to get out somewhere. Yeah. Is that just to it's make you leave, though? Just to make me leave, yeah. 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 But he would say to me, oh, you're only here because of money, you don't want to play football. Well, no, I'm here, I want to play football, you just don't want to pick me. Yeah. Like, it's... So you get to, like, a standoff in that, yeah. in that situation? Yeah, he ended up trying to find me uh, two weeks' wages because I went home for Christmas. 
And I was like, well, no, you're the one who told me to fuck off. And like, every player heard it. And in the end, there was no fine. But it's just... It, it all depends on the relationship. Like, Mourinho, don't get me wrong, I was out of favour of him sometimes. But he would literally... I know if I played well and there was an injury... or trained trained well, sorry, and there was an injury... I'd have a chance of playing, so I always trained hard. But with Mancini, he just washed his hands with me. Yeah, and if you've not got a chance, there's yeah. no point in wishing the team no. well, wishing the team ill because yeah. you wouldn't get in anyway if, yeah. he's, if he's that determined. Um, we did ask how long Ole Gunnar Solskjaer might be given to turn things around at Manchester United. Paddy Power's latest odds on the next manager to leave their post, Marco Silva. Another defeat for Everton at the weekend, 6-5. to five. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, 6-1. to one. Nuno Espirito Santo at Wolves, 7-1. to one. Kike Sanchez-Flores has only just taken the job, although was tasked with tightening them up defensively ahead of their 8-0 defeat by Manchester City. He's at 9-1. And Mauricio Pochettino at 14-1. The next Manchester United manager, Paddy Power already got odds for that one, Mauricio yeah. Pochettino, so he's linked in that sense, 3-1. Massimilio Allegri, 4-1. Lauren Blanc at 7-1. Time for the Paddy Power Challenge and we're going to try football FaceTime again with three guests who haven't played the game before but the rules are simple. Wayne Bridge, Wes Brown and Sean Wright Phillips alongside me. You've got to FaceTime a footballer who's in your phone and you've got to get them to answer. Make sense? Yeah. Clear? <laughs> yeah. Right, go on Wayne, you go first then. All right, here we go. Letizia. Aww. <laughs> I've messaged him once since I've retired <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it a few times you might not even have this the same see what happens you know what I think you should do I think you should all phone Stiff. the same person so that by the time the third it's one comes right. along they'll be like what's going on that ain't happening I think you ain't picked up by now it ain't happening come on Tiz he is genuinely in your phone as Lagarde yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saints fan and I yeah. so no, he's let me write right. down. He's, his name's changing. <laughs> <laughs> so this next one. If you again. get a message back saying, who's this? It doesn't count. Time difference. <laughs> Wayne Rooney. Come on, Simon. Oh, oh he's going to be brilliant. Come on, Simon. He's going to Come on, lad. Don't let me down. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> he texted. I'll phone you back in a bit. Man. I'm in bed. You're having a Tommy tank. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I'll phone you back in a bit. <laughs> See you later. I think you're swearing quite a bit there. Just so you, know. yeah, you have to beat me out. I had a little swear up. I thought, right. well, at least you didn't. I didn't say it that Wayne said. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, that might not make it either. <laughs> Are yeah. they playing football? No, they don't well currently be playing football. Your dad now. No. <laughs> I'm going to try a call on call. He'll answer. Oh my God. No one. No love. I'm going to go for James Beatty. I don't think my missus would answer to me, to be fair. That's me done. He ain't answering, look. Okay, um, I go again. Rio Ferdinand, come on, Rio. <laughs> I know you've got me, man. I'm hoping for. What's happening, Brav? <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, Rio's definitely a texter. Okay, no. So I'm going to try Didier though because he normally just answers. Oh, okay. no, Didier. No, I'll just one. pull that one out. Let me try. Alright. Let's see. I cannot see your screen at all. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's too early. Yeah. Like, <laughs> FaceTime people at like 1am they pick up like yeah. where you at like, yeah. they think you're on a night <laughs> daytime, out they're gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. daytime no love <laughs> no I'm, I'm trying my dad anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you right. we're getting for the last round of things family <laughs> family, family members. members yeah I'll try yeah. my miss but I know I've for a enough fact <laughs> <when> she <laughs> will <laughs> answer <laughs> She's on. I'll see you later. I'm surprised you answered. Are you PJs? Do something. All right, speak to you later. Bye. Just got me a point. 
I've seen out of wardrobe. Bye. Right, let me stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. look at this. Guess who's called me back? Coley. Best what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you back after. Later. <laughs> okay. My next one. I go Clebs. Tom Cleverly. Okay. There you go. Love it, you ain't got his number saved. <laughs> Is that an X-Man? You know what, we're all on the same group, so yeah. <laughs> nah. No, look funky. Ash? Nope. He'll oh. be training, won't he? Oh, yeah, he's, he's that's long days. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Tom's still training, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All my right. favourite thing about this is the confused faces when they answer it and they see everybody and they're like, what is this? And then, <laughs> Wait, then, 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 <laughs> Wait. All right, I'm going to try my dad. It's my last resort, I think. Stop. Not gonna pick up He'll be working somewhere, won't he? He'll be... <laughs> it's no love. He's not going to pick up. Oh well. I think we're Where's in the winner. Take that. So therefore Wes is the winner. So for waking you up. So you already have two hundred and fifty pounds to the charity of your choice and you get a two hundred and fifty pound bet as yeah. well. So which charity would you like to choose? It's um one woman at a time, which um Mrs. does quite often. She's actually in China now with um a few different people doing a great wall of China work and um, to raise money, obviously, for the, the charity. So it'll be good because of their doing that now that it goes to that as well. Yeah, brilliant charity and a really great reason to do it. And the £250 bet, none of which have been won so far. So do you want to do a... Do, do you want to do a more one. obvious one? Do a more obvious okay. one. We'll go Chef United against Liverpool at 3 to 10. OK. You want, you, you want Liverpool, though, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the obvious one. <laughs> I'll end up winning now. Well, you can edit it, then, if can't they do, <laughs> If they do, then that proves that there's actually a curse on the bet, rather yeah. than anything else. Yeah, uh, thank Liverpool you very much. Win, yeah. OK. This is Liquid Football. I'm Joe, together with Paddy Power. Alongside me this week, Wayne Bridge, Wes Brown and Sean Wright-Phillips. Also this week, the House of Rugby is live. Who is most intensely policed in the current England squad? What, weight-wise? Yeah. Mako. Well, I tell you, I tell you what. <laughs> Billy must be up there, it's too. A guy, it's, a guy, it's a great The Budapolas must be yeah, high well, up their list. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mako's the thing is, what, apparently Mako at, at Saracens, is a great story, is that there was a guy at Saracens called George, but they called him Feeble George, because he must have been small. <laughs> right. So they called him Feeble George. And what Mako would do every morning, we'd come in, and George would go, have you weighed in, Mako? And Mako would go, fuck off and stand over there. Right? <laughs> And he'd make Feeble George stand over there. Macca would get on the scales, weigh himself and write whatever he wanted. <laughs> uh, another team who've had a bad week are Tottenham. But it's not just a bad week. This run of away games without a win goes back to January the 20th. They lost 2-1 at, at Leicester. They'll probably say they hadn't thought about it, but now that it's so well known, that statistic, the, the players have it's got to be playing on their mind. I would have thought so. Um, especially when it's been brought up. It's... Probably my worst experience at Southampton, and it was we end up manager called me. I think it was Stuart Gray, and he was literally like, "Where are our goals going to come from?" And everyone's looking around, going, "Hopefully, it is." If he plays. <laughs> but like he, you know, it's it's how do you overcome things? It's you know, he started battering people. He's like, "Well, you're not going to score any goals to me," and I was like, "All right, thanks." Um, and I was only a young kid at the time, and it was you know, it turned into a bit of an argument, and I, I still think we left the room, and no one really knew what was going to happen to be honest so I, I as a manager I'd find it hard to deal with some managers would have a night out I think we ended up having a night out at Southampton um, but obviously the drinking culture is a lot different when I started it's 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 really hard to deal with and I think but as a player definitely you've you can't think too much about it. you've got to go and play because if you're thinking about it too much then it's what's going to happen 
Because the thing is, it's not as though they've done badly in that mm-hmm. time. It's just that away from home, they haven't got a, a good record. They, they've got themselves to a Champions League final and qualified for the Champions League for, mm-hmm. for this season. So it's not all bad, but it's just that this, every time they go away from home, will they be thinking about it? I mean, I think they will a little bit, considering, like you just said, they've actually got into the Champions League again and they've not won away since January. It's something that will, especially if it's, it's not necessarily something the, the manager mentions, by the way. Someone just might say it and then it gets passed on. You know, if not once, it's January away. And you're like, all right. Do you think it's something the manager should mention? Like, get it out into the open or? <sighs> no, I don't think so. I think, it's negative, isn't it? Yeah, so. you kind of just need to, like Bridget said, it's hard to deal with, but you just kind of have to go game by game because if you keep going in thinking, oh, well, we haven't won since January the 20th. Mm. Like, you've got all of that, plus you're still trying to win. And a lot of times travelling away for home, from home and playing away games is tough in the first place. So to go there with all that in the back of your head just makes it even more harder, I think. I, I think, think the it, opposing team might even think, oh, my God, they're due a win, it's going to be us as well. Yeah, like, I've yeah, been in that yeah, situation yeah. with it, but it's definitely going to be us. They're going to beat us now. The manager, the manager of the opposing team will be like, listen, get at these straight away. Because we've not won for ages. We've not won since January. We've got a chance. And that's how you sort of go with it in that way. But Tottenham, I don't know. It's, it's something that you kind of think about. They probably need a little bit of luck as well because it's, I mean, they're still a great team, aren't they? They are still a great team. But in terms of the bad runs, like when, if you've been on a bad... Probably more likely to have had a bad run at Sunderland, Sunderland than you did very, at, at Manchester United. For years. I came up, didn't I? For, for years. years we Listen, when I was you there... Said, you said that like that was the worst part of that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you had a really bad run. We were yeah, really good then. I didn't even play it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Went on loans to get games and all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was difficult. Um, I just think when you get there, the negativity going round, I don't think it helps. You know, you have to sort of be positive. Luckily, we had a good bunch of lads that ultimately, obviously with the managers as well, we digged our way out of it a little bit. Um, and then, but it's, it's not a nice feeling. It's not something that, it's not nice. You, you're not really enjoying the games as well because you know you just want to win. It doesn't matter how you win, you just want, you need three points and I don't know where it's coming from. You were talking about the fact that everybody starts to go well we need to find goals how do we find goals you have a big meeting everybody has a row and you come out of it and nobody's really any the wiser at the end of it is that what happens that you start to lose focus and, and forget about the, the stuff that you, you were supposed the, to be the goals are the on. main things and we were lucky we had Jermaine Defoe um, at the time because no one we weren't really no one else was pulling the weight in that sort of um, scenario and it was hard to just find a goal and you'd be unlucky somewhere, you'd let a goal in. I mean, you could be playing, we, we drawn so many, but you could be playing so well and then they go and score and then you could see the team just go, completely go. And there's also the pressure of being in Sunderland where it's really, I mean, we talked about the pressure of being at a club like Manchester United or Chelsea or City or wherever, but to be in somewhere like Sunderland, that's a relatively small place that has all the focus Listen, on, they love on football. one club. They're fantastic fans and, you know, they, they do expect a lot more and um, especially, I mean, hopefully they've got out of what they all ended up doing now and they can start rebuilding again. But it was, um, you know, the fans were fantastic. Don't matter what would happen. In, obviously they would want us to win and play well, but, you know, they still turned up every week in, week out and we just didn't manage to, to quite give them what they wanted. Did you do the, the team bonding? I'm going <laughs> euphemistically. <laughs> euphemistically <laughs> team bonding. Yeah, that's one of the, the best um, derbies I've ever played yeah, in. It's, it's, Sunderland it's Newcastle. Quality, yeah. The atmosphere is unbelievable. One of the best I've played play. in. I don't, I don't know if I. I, I, think, I, come on, I think I come on and we lost. <laughs> <laughs> but so actually, Sunderland had a really good run against Newcastle. Yeah, we had a good run. Yeah, then I came. Yeah, we were about five or six on the bounce. Yeah. It did do really, really well. But did you do the, the team? Did you do that team? No, we did. It was more. Kind of do you know what? It was more going for meals after, after training. Nothing, nothing too much. Nothing not going out. Getting it's, it's difficult to go and do a team bonding because the fact all eyes are on you, you're losing. Then if you get caught going out on the piss, it wouldn't have been a in a bad laugh, way as like, well. What are they doing? Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have been in a bad way. It just would have been a few drinks. But you know, the does it stop you pointing the finger at each other as well? If you, if you see each other away from that sort of intense envi- environment you're less likely to escalate. start <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's that might help though, yeah. <laughs> that's what effectively can happen though because at QPR when we was going through that streak you notice clicks start to form within and people start swaying that way and some people and then you've got like a couple of the people that just sit on the fence and that are just yeah. like a mediators mm. or so and bad results continue mm. can make that happen if you don't have like a good squad yep. So it can go either way, yeah. really. Was it was it easier to 
to get away from it all when when you're in QPR that you can kind of melt into London a little bit more than you could if you were living in in the northeast where you might it must have felt at times that everywhere you went you're at home you're in a in a smaller place whereas yeah. in london you you can kind of disappear a bit more can't you um i, I can not. agree with some of it but because of social media people start writing on posts or sending you dms as they call it and so they get to say their piece mm-hmm. anyway and like as as good as the fans are at qpr they still have a right to in a way voice their opinion of how they're feeling the season's going because at the time that we all went there everybody was just thought oh we just signed for the money and we didn't really care about whether we won or lose which wasn't really the case like we was trying and giving 110% but things as it does in football just don't always go your way and I think that's what happened to us there yeah, it's, it's that situation where you find yourself in. When you go to a club that has been seen to, to spend money, and it's like, well, then that's the, the only reason that you would be interested in going there. Yeah, that, and that's the way they basically looked at it, and that kind of set the toll, and then it started, then the manager started changing, and then people were having fallouts with manager, and that was one thing I didn't think would ever happen to me, and then Harry came along, and then it just all went pear-shaped, really. <laughs> um <laughs> Actually, we should we should go there. <laughs> I was getting ready to move on, but I, actually, so what happened? Um, well, to be fair, away from the game, we get on like a house on fire, but there was a time, obviously, John Mackham was playing in front of me at the time, and I had a few pieces of floating bone in my ankle, so I had to have an operation at some point. And um, I was just training all day on it, all the time we trained, I just didn't get it done. I said, look, i wait till the end of the season because we're in this battle but then I fell out of favour and I just wasn't playing I just wasn't even making it to the bench so I said well if you're asking me to wait till the end of the season to have this operation if you're not putting me on the bench or playing me I might as well just get the operation done so then I got the operation done and then he wasn't obviously happy and then that was it basically I just never played against and then there were stories coming out I won't leave because I'm getting paid so much money but then I went to New York Red Bulls and, Red Bulls and signed for like $4,000 a month. So it's like, well, if I'm only there for the money, why would I sign there for that much, basically? Mm-hmm. So It, it feels, it feels as though everybody's got a, a story that's a bit like that with a, with a manager where you're kind of in... John Walters, who, who comes in, his, certainly has. He's got a couple <laughs> of them. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you said it as well, you know, with, with um, Mancini, you had it as yeah. well. You've had it. That, that sense where you go, no, my, I'm, I'm not fit to play. I need an operation or I'm playing with an injury that actually needs a bit of time off for me to go and fix it if I'm going to have a career or, or be able to live with it later on in life even. And the manager's like, no, I need... It's the Alan Shearer and Michael Owen thing all over again, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes I think it's the Italian managers. I think some of the Italian managers hate it when you're injured. It's like your fault. It's like a personal like vendetta. No. Um, it's, it's it's a difficult one. Yeah. It's um, you know, with with Mancini, he was just he was done with me. It's just like nothing I could do. Yeah. Um, so less about the injury and more about yeah. It. It's I think he. If, I think he had it in with everyone who had an injury, to be fair. Even Jerome Botang, you know, yeah, he was a centre-back yeah, player and he used thing. to have it in when he was injured. I remember Mika pulled his thigh and he made him strap mad. it up. And Mika did and went out running. I don't think he should have, but Mika literally strapped his thigh and went out for a jog. Yeah. He just wanted just, to have everybody yeah, available. Was, time, you know, and yeah. I, ended up, I ended up leaving Man City and going to Brighton for less money. And like he, he, he said to me, it was always all about the money. Well, I went for less money in the end. Um, on Brighton, um, that's Tottenham's next away match. It's at Brighton on the 5th of October. The Paddy Power odds, Tottenham are still 5-6. to six. Brighton 3-1 to one and the draw at 13-5 to five for, for that game. But like you said, it's quite interesting off the back of you saying that you're either the kind of team mentality that thinks, <laughs> oh my God, it's going to come to an end <laughs> and it's going to be us. Or you've got the manager who says, right, that's it. We're going to take advantage of this and we're going to try and put them under some pressure. Talking of which... Um, let's talk Watford at Manchester City. 8-0. Five goals in the first 18 minutes. That's the fastest that total's been reached. Um, Dimitri Fulquier, though, making his Premier League debut, he was taken off after 32 minutes with the team 5-0 down. Can you... I mean, we were talking about this earlier, Sean. You could look at it and think, oh, my God, he's made one player the scapegoat for this on his Premier League debut. 
Or there's another way of looking at it. Yeah, like as we said before, for for me, the way I would look at it is that because it's his debut, I felt like he was protecting him a bit more rather than taking him up as, oh, you was this bad. Because for me, if you're 5-0 down, surely he ain't the only person that deserves, <laughs> deserves to be taken off the pitch sort of thing. So for me, I just saw it as a protection. Well, I'm hoping it's for that reason anyway. I was going to ask, why he wouldn't have taken him off earlier, but they were scoring at a rate of one goal nearly every three minutes. So it was going to be... Only had time to reset at that one. But do you feel sorry for him? Do you feel like making his Premier League debut and... It's not ideal. It's not ideal, but the manager's definitely had a word with him. He's At some off. point, I said, listen, it's like, just welcome doing to it. the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe he made a joke, though. I don't think he made you a joke. You hope he's had a word of him, but there are times when they yeah, don't, and I that's when it's hard. I hope he has, because it, it, it happens to be in Joe Cole. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I was on the bench <laughs> for that game. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I was in shock. <laughs> Fulham, like, we played at Fulham, innit? And with, Reno could do game, it to anyone. Nothing was happening in the game. We didn't get the ball to be good or to be bad. It was kind of just down the centre sort of thing. It got to about 23, 24 minutes, and he was like, Oh, I need to, to make a sub here. That was, I looked over and it was me and Coley's number, Joe Cole's number that came up. And like, I didn't know how to react. So I was kind of smiling. <laughs> Joe was <laughs> mad. He was thinking things. And I just sat down like to say, well, what, what can you say? What can you do? Like, and then what happens? We go, we draw or did we win in the end? I can't I think, remember. I remember Didier scoring. It was so early. It's just because yeah. nothing was happening up front. So he was like, so he right, just, it's you so, two, yeah, get off. So he just wanted to change something. It's he never said we played badly yeah. or he didn't, he didn't say really anything. Did he speak anything. to you afterwards? Yeah, he, just, yeah. he said, no, I just felt like I needed to make yeah. a change. So what, if you're tactically that clever and it works, <laughs> what, yeah. what can he you could say? He could kill and, anyone though, can he? Yeah. We were getting beat 4-0. Um, Sunderland against Southampton away to Southampton and he, and Gus Poyet took me off I was absolutely devastated because we was all I was going to swear and we was all rubbish we was all rubbish and um, to be fair the gaffer did come up to me after the game and just said listen I, I did it for a reason which I understand we had a, a chat about and it was absolutely fine but at, at that time and we ended up getting beat 8-0 so it didn't matter anyway um, so it just wasn't me on the pitch, but it is something that it, it doesn't feel nice, you know. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, especially because it was only me as well. I sort of been made a scapegoat for, for how the team's playing, which is fair enough, you know. I was one of the senior players at the time, so maybe it was my responsibility, and I wasn't playing too well myself. So he's just made up. He's trying to make a point to the team to try and lift the team in other ways, as in to say, listen, I'm the boss, and if I think something's happening, I'll I'll take the the experienced players off, but. At the same time, um, as a player, you do. I mean, you do get almost to think about it. Was that bad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting yeah. dragged off yeah. the five nil. There was ten other players thinking, oh, "I wish that was me." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get me off. Yeah. <laughs> You've had a touch. But I like the idea yeah. you're going back, going, "Well, you know, they scored plenty after I went off as well." So yeah. it certainly wasn't just. Me. But but if you get ten minutes, you I suppose you and Joe Cole went off at, at the same time and came back and and got something from. The team came back and got something from the game. But if you get taken off and you think everybody's been doing really badly and you're the one that gets taken off and then the team's come back in, team comes back into it, you must feel like... It hurts. Well, it, it looks yeah, like it's it just you. Yeah. You're sulking, yeah. you're sulking in yeah. the corner. But it's yeah. like, I, I, was, I didn't want to be that person sitting on the bench like with like a mopey face because like, mm. then it doesn't look good for my team either. So I went off, tried to be peaceful, smiled <laughs> and just, just let the game play. I remember... Um, Ash's first game at um, at Chelsea, I started. He couldn't really drop me in Reno because I was playing well, and then we were one new up against Charlton, I think it was, and then they equalised. But I was playing well, and then he just dragged me off, and I was just like, from there on, I just knew, well, that's me done because brought Ashley and he's going to play. It's it's hard to take getting dragged off. I think yeah. at any time. A better day though. Erling Braut Holland, who scored a hat trick in the Champions League, fantastic performance from him. Huge win for them. I think he's done it as well for the the under twenties. I think, but he's a big Leeds fan. Wants to win the Premier League title with with Leeds. Yeah, That's yeah. his kind of um, lifelong ambition. Do, do do you have? Did you have a game that you felt was like your breakthrough? Not necessarily. It might be your debut, but but the breakthrough game. His dad played against um, Leeds ninety eight. I actually got him sent off, actually. Uh, my debut game. Um, and it was... Uh, I actually played pretty well. And I always look back now and think that was an important game in my sort of life because, I mean, I've seen players who play the debuts now and they come on and 
don't particularly do anything and I think it always steps you back a few steps before the manager sort of seriously considers you again and to me that game I, I was I thought it was pretty good yeah you got uh, him sent off, so did that's you what dive? I'm quite interested, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was the you next gave one. You stick the other week for diving, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to How'd you get him sent off then? What, what do you mean you got him yeah, sent off? Yeah, I mean, off? listen, I've just obviously megged him. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was two yellows, so he, he was his second um, booking. But like I said, it was my, my actual first game, and I always felt confident as hell just after that. Just after that one game, and obviously the lads and everyone um, after the game saying well done, the manager saying well done, it gives you a big boost. And I always think it's important to, at a young age, if you do get the chance to, and it is, listen, there's a lot of luck in it as well because um, nothing, it doesn't always go your way. But when it does, you just feel the confidence to, to drag that in then to the next couple of games. What was yours? Um, I have to say it's like my first game at Port Vale, away I was sub. Obviously, they didn't have shorts and shirt that fit me so everything was a bit baggy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah we was we was losing 1-0 at the time and, and Joe Roll just said to me I know what you're like but I just need you to go on and basically just run riot cause problems just make things difficult for them and um I don't know why I was in the box at the time but somebody's put a ball in the box and I've run across the front post and basically it's gone in and it's on goal but I kind of claimed it but I think after then the thing that changed for me is that I realised, even though I was that small, that it's doable sort of thing. So that kind of helped me push to the next level and stopped yeah. me from being worried about being five foot three, basically, because I've only grown the last like couple of inches recently. Have that's you? Bridges. Oh, that's what Bridges said. <laughs> <I'm not taller. laughs> so, <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that helped a lot. That game was yeah. very important to me. What about you? What was the one for you? Um, I thought I played well on my debut. Um, you can say your debut if yeah, you want. No, I, think I wasn't ruling that, it out. I just said it's not that, always the first I game. I think probably the game I think of is my England debut. Because when I first started Southampton, I, I did play well on my debut. But then I was like, I played centre midfield. Then I played in the hole. Then I played centre forward. And then they realised I wasn't good enough in any of them. So they put me <laughs> at left back. Um, but then it changed for me playing left back. And, um, you know, I got my debut for England, I think against Holland away and it was in February before the World Cup um, and I only played 45 minutes because I broke my toe but I just played really well I was up and down um, got forward put crosses in defended well and I managed to go to World Cup and I think you know having a day before England is massive but to play well just gave me so much more confidence mm. and I always struggled with confidence So, Do you remember yeah. how you felt at the end of the game? Um, I was buzzing. I was pretty pleased going for half time because it could have gone to pot really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I just felt really good to be honest. I couldn't stop smiling. And obviously to go back to Southampton, you know, I know there's been players that have played Ringham Southampton but not for a while, so everyone was well chuffed for me. Um the other the other interesting point about him <clears> is that he is the son of Alfinger Harland. And you've got experience of that from both sides now. So with from your dad from Ian yeah. Wright and then with your son DiMaggio who's signed on at, at Signed on your son Tomaggio, who signed at at Manchester City. Yeah. So you've got that that experience of that that relationship from from both sides. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse in many ways, isn't it? Um, yeah. Um, when I was growing up, everyone was always like, "Are you going to follow in his footsteps? Are you going to do this?" And then I was just always brought up to be my own person and make my own path and take my own footsteps, basically. And always knew that I was a different player to say my dad. And my son is exactly the same. He just focuses on what footsteps he can take in a game and what print he can leave out there as part of his, his family line, really. But that sounds like perfect advice, but it must be hard at times to to avoid the, the comparisons, even if they're coming from, from... Even if you don't feel them inside, but if they're coming at you from from outside all the time, it's quite hard to deflect that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely hard, but um, these guys will tell you, like, in football, in in the whole your whole career you have to be mentally strong because there's a lot of things that come that maybe if you wasn't a footballer you would deal with completely different so yeah. I feel like he's had to learn and he's been learning over the last year that like you have to be mentally strong in football because there's a lot of sacrifices and there's a lot of pressures that come with it and you have to learn to deal with it at a young age because you never know when that game's going to come where you're called, up, called upon and then you're one minute not relevant to now you're relevant to everybody basically in England so he's got to be ready for that and 
he's got to learn to start dealing with it from now, really. Is it is the advice you give to DiMaggio the same advice that you got from your dad, or is it is it is it um, slightly? De- I mean, are, are there generations of advice there, or is it is it kind I'd of? Love to what your dad gave you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, it's it's kind of tailor made. Like, obviously, a lot of it is from what my dad said to me when, say, me and my brother were growing mm. up, but. Obviously, now there's more things for, say, my son to worry about. Like, there's a lot more distractions in play, especially with, like, social media and what you can do with social media and how big a part of your life it is for young players growing up. And I have to say to him sometimes now, like, if you text me, phone my phone or text me. Don't text me on social social media, do you know what I mean? Like, so they use social media for everything now so he's got more to worry about so I just say to him like if you're not willing to make sacrifices then it's going to be hard and as soon as he signed a contract I said now the real work starts again so if you want to bet yourself you're at no better place to learn from right now hard work doesn't really stop does it either no it doesn't because you're always you know you sign a contract they're not like I know there might be four years, but, but you're always looking for the next one. Yeah. It's like stages, isn't it? It's yeah. just like you have this stage and then you get to your pro, which is, and then you get, once you make it through that door, then the other hard part is consistency mm-hmm. and improving. Like, he'll tell you, Ronaldo was the best day because his first year at Man United he wasn't like, well. yeah. And then his second year, he just worked hard and he worked on what he needed to do. And now look at yeah, that, that sort of work ethic. But you're right, there must be that temptation when you sign your first professional contract to almost relax into it and go right. Well, I've, I've got. I, I've got there you, now. I think it? when you're at big clubs, you don't do that. No, yeah, you don't. Get I don't think you get allowed to. I was just the... thinking. I just want another contract. You want to play well for a year and get another contract. You just keep. You could if you top. do that well. They give you another contract. Yeah. So it's just about changing. I mean, what, did you all sign at 17 as well? So you sign your professional yeah. at 17, but you're still not in the first team. Yeah, yeah still a long way. You still got a lot to push. You're looking in the first team and thinking, still got to get past him, him, and him. Do you know what I mean? So there's still a lot to do, and all you can do is just keep. Keep training, keep playing, and and hopefully the gaffer one day says, "Well, okay, we, we, I think you're ready." Let's, so, uh, get at you what in. stage then can you sit back? Can you not do that till you finish? Sit I back and just I go. Relax. I enjoy I it. Always no, about the yeah, next, yeah. Next day, but it's harder relax. for them now as well because, like, if you say you look at my son's position, or if you look at a young <coughs> player coming through at Man United, the players that he's behind are like international players, but they're mm. only like 24. So, like, when I was breaking through, these guys are breaking through. The players were like 27, 28. So they was going to that back end of their career. The guys that they're challenging, they say primes at 26, 27. Mm. They've not even hit their prime yet. So you've got young kids now trying to get past your likes of like Rashford, Lingard, Martial, Sterling. And that was why Sancho, Jaden, chose to get out so he can express himself earlier. And he's gone to Dortmund and, and done And he's done it. brilliantly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. fantastic stuff. Even that's a gamble. Just to, to let you know, the, the Paddy Power odds, we talked about him being a, a big Leeds fan, Erling Brad Haaland. To sign before the 3rd of February 2019, which is when the January transfer window closes, obviously. Leeds 33-1, to Barcelona, as along with Barcelona, PSG and Real Madrid, Manchester City 20-1 to and Manchester United 7-1. to See, we're changing, <laughs> we're changing to a United fan. <laughs> yeah. He would not be happy with as, that as well. That's quite a switch, isn't it, leads yeah. to Manchester United? His dad won't be. Can you think, there, there are, because I'm trying to think of players that, that so Michael Owen and, and Jamie Carragher were boyhood Everton fans mm. that became Liverpool players and actually became, certainly in, in Jamie Carragher's case, more passionate a Liverpool supporter than, than possibly somebody who'd started mm. off that way. Are there other players who've kind of come around and made that, made that transition? Ash. Like come in and go. <laughs> yeah, Ash from Arsenal to Chelsea. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a big one. That's massive. <laughs> yeah. He's brave. Yeah, and yeah. um, James Madison also in the headlines. Have you seen his backpack? Do you know what? I've got a lot. I think it's funny. It is funny, and it's also like if he likes it, it why might. should that's he care what anybody Listen, else? I'd like to give him a bit of stick about it, but it'll be a bit banner. Um, listen, if you watch how they, we've seen it before, the NFL lads and yeah. the NBA lads are dressed to go to a game, like that is nothing, I'm telling you. But that's the way it is. If he's comfortable with it, then fair play. And he also got the winner for Leicester against Tottenham as well. Good so he's going to be using that bag every yeah. week. <laughs> so we're going to see it every time as well. It used to be the, it used to be the little Louis Vuitton wash bags under the thing <laughs> yeah. and the headphones on, and now he's got the full rucksack and a sort of 
It was a cross between sort of hologram and, and transparent, wasn't it? It the, looks like the you can see what's itself. in it. Did you? Yeah, it, yeah, it looks like it's see-through. It is see-through, but it looked kind of slightly reflective okay. as well. It was okay. like a. It's like handy a, for some stadiums now because you can't go in with bags nowadays. <laughs> 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 so do they, 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 they even the stop the players like that? Are they even funny with the players? So they're kind of going through the thing having to go through get the bags checked. Can you just come in? Yeah, it wouldn't make the it wouldn't make the arrival scenes very good when you do them at football guys. But he turned up. He's got this. Rucksack on, he turns up. Garth Crooks said, players, effectively, what he said was that players sort of put themselves out there in order to be criticised. And if he gets serious criticism from this, then it's only to be expected. Sure, yeah, nobody cares that, that yeah, much, no, do they? No, it's, it's just not fashion. Isn't it? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think yeah. it's just not fashion, my fashion as well. but it's just yeah. fashion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, was the, who wore the most outrageous clothes of anyone that you played oh, with? Bet. Who, I'd have to yeah. say Mario Balotelli. Yeah, Balotelli definitely. <laughs> yeah. Anything. Back, back to the style, I think. Like yeah, he looked like good. He, he could certain. put a bin line on yeah, and look good. It, Come yeah. on. But he was, he was a sort of trailblazer in that way, wasn't he? he I mean, he of... would put some on and you think, okay, I wouldn't wear that. <laughs> he can still pull it off. Yeah. He's fine. He's I fine think, with me. I think they've both given interviews since where they say, we look back and think, maybe not a great idea, but <laughs> at the time. At the time, you're thinking, yeah, okay. Yeah. That, that just works. Bex. Did you did you say anything to him? No, I'm younger than Bex. It's different. But yeah. uh, I always used to think he was... He, I mean, he's a, he's a lead guy anyway, uh, as you know. But he's, his, fashion, his fashion sense, I thought, was, was just funny. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. yeah. I thought... Like anything, he puts it on, it looks cool. So, and you can pull it off. It <laughs> <laughs> did, did you notice that though? If he wore something, so, so you know, he always used to change his hair or mm. he'd come in wearing something. Did not you notice it. it sort of filter through the rest no, of the squad or no anything? Chance, no. No. Not, not, not with a player. Paul no. Skulls and Gary Neville turning Never. up the Sarong. I would have paid money to <laughs> see him. Yeah. But he's producing on the pitch, so you can do what you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the difference. Yeah, Balotelli wasn't. <laughs> did, did, so what was it? What I can't, I can't remember his kind of most extreme looks. I just remember the wire with me T-shirt and the and the bib that he struggled with. I sort of remember on field fashion oh, stuff. Good, yeah. Did he go for the Sarong as well? No, he didn't. No, no, he, he didn't. didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't try that. It was just. It, I think he was just more of a Larry character. Yeah, it was more like he, what he wore. Like he, was just name brand, but yeah. just just different name brands, just all like put together. Yeah. Like if it was fresh Loud. and brand new, yeah, he would have it. And he just tell everyone how beautiful he yeah, is. All the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you never found got a chance. Funny. I just couldn't find him funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd come in and tell you how good he looked. Yeah, he'd yeah. tell everyone. He'd stand. Yeah. He'd be on a plane. You go, look how pretty I am, everyone. Just like, oh my yeah, god, that's crazy. <laughs> him and Meek used to argue about All it. Actually, I remember. About him and Meek and Richard, who was prettier. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah, seriously. Did he get everyone else involved in that? But you used to get everyone involved. You didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. So who do you think Steven then? Steven Island. Easter. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Who do you oh. think then? I'm going to Mika. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, we've got two votes from Mika. No, Steven Island had the car, didn't he? Yeah, pink. Yeah. Was it pink? Yeah, or black pink. and pink. It was, a, was it a Range Rover with pink? What, would you call them alloys? Pink, I don't know what they would yeah, have been made of. Yeah, pink pink trim inside the car. Didn't he have the Audi something with the Superman logo on it as well? I He's always wears wild boxes, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I like that. No one did yeah. that. That was cool. Yeah. But the the one with the the one with the, with the Range Rover, it had his his fiance, his girlfriend at the time, had her initials mm, in and hearts yeah. and kind of all that kind. Of. Yeah. And then they sold. Well, I don't know who bought it. They'd probably have had to get it. We <laughs> said not everybody has the same initials. But it's like I sort of like the fact that if he'd stuck with it and gone, well, I like it. I don't care what anybody else thinks. You've I got don't to be think quite he ever cared what anyone else thought, to be no, honest. It's just, he can't do nothing. Like, where are you going to drive it? Like, like, Manchester is a small place. It's just like everyone <laughs> yeah. knows where you are. Whose car's that? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. So. Um, thank you very much for coming in. Good to talk to you, Sean. It's lovely to see you for the first time. Wes Brown and Wayne Bridge. Uh, remember that you can always um, listen to Liquid Football on the podcast or you can watch us on YouTube. And if you like it, then please leave us a nice review. Um, we've also got a Facebook page, so if you search for Liquid Football, you can get involved with the chat on there as well. Remember, we've got our other shows as well, House of Rugby with James Haskell, TKO with Carl Frampton and Swanee's Cricket Show. For now, though, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Liquid Football on Joe, sponsored by Paddy Power.